Hey there, everyone. From beautiful Fort Collins, Colorado, halfway between Cheyenne and Denver, and 5,003 feet above sea level, I'm Jeff Haber, and you're listening to No Bed of Roses. No Bed of Roses is brought to you by Conexus. Maybe your company is creating video content or you're a brand looking for that coveted direct connection with viewers. Maybe you're an established YouTube creator or you're just starting out. Conexus Interactive Web Video Solutions enables viewers while watching your videos to simply tap on the items they're interested in, directly connecting them to the merchant's shopping cart to easily purchase those items. This all happens without ever leaving the video experience and without ever leaving the site where they started watching the video in the first place. Connexus shoppable video content works using any browser on any device. No download, no plugin, nothing to install. Interactive video like you've always wanted it. Find out more at connexus.com. That's K-E-N-X-U-S dot com. Welcome back, everyone, and happy belated World Water Day, which was actually celebrated last week, Monday, March 22nd. We wanted to drop this special episode with guests Chef Chris Starkis and Kristen Haber because even though the event has come and gone, well, we don't want to use that phrase when it comes to fresh water. That's to say that it has come and gone. So grab your favorite rubber ducky and maybe a glass of great tap water, if you're lucky enough to be able to enjoy great tap water straight from the tap, and let's jump right in. The water's fine. Kinda. All right, so joining us today, Chef Chris Starkis and Kristen Haber. Chef Chris has been on the show before, as uh, as Kristen has, but Chef and I have done two prior episodes. And just to give some uh, some background to get everybody up to speed, Chef Chris Starkis heads up the culinary program at Warren Tech, just outside of Denver, training the next generation of hospitality pros, and is chief sales officer of Boss Defrost, an NSF-certified water recirculating device that uses 99% less water than what is required by the FDA's running water method to defrost food. That's a very big deal, and we'll talk about that. Kristen Haber is my wife, best friend, and business partner, and is co-founder of Connexus, an interactive web video solution provider and was an educator for Heal the Bay Los Angeles with a focus on water use, sustainability, and understanding and protecting vital watersheds. We originally planned to do this show on March 22nd, which is World Water Day. And this was my original intro. Today, March 22nd, is World Water Day. And as much as water undeniably connects all living things, there seems to be a disconnect as to how we value, discuss, protect, give, and get access to clean water. World Water Day has been celebrated on March 22nd every year since 1992. That's 29 years. I didn't find anything about World Water Day at the New York Times. And when I searched their site, I was linked to the world section. And the most current article appeared to be from March 22nd, 2013. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres' message for World Water Day, citing this year's theme, Valuing Water, asks, what does water mean to me? And he goes on to say, for me, water means protection, a well-managed water cycle encompassing drinking water, sanitation, hygiene, wastewater, transboundary governance, the environment, and more, means a defense against ill health and indignity and a response to challenges from a changing climate and increasing global demand. This World Water Day, we want to record and understand as many views as possible so decision makers are better informed and equipped to safeguard this human right for every person and every purpose. Today, we are not on track to ensure everyone has access to water and sanitation by 2030, as set out in Sustainable Development Goal 6. While advances being made, current progress needs to quadruple 
quadruple to achieve universal access. Chronic underinvestment in water and sanitation disadvantages and harms vast numbers of people. This is unacceptable. That's a massive, uh, thank you for letting me read that whole thing, guys. That's a huge statement to me. I mean, just loaded with stuff. The Secretary General talking about the amazing ripple effect of water, clean water, and lack of access to clean water is a true global issue. And yet, as I said, there was nothing. I looked, Kristen, Chef, I looked, the Washington Post, the Journal, New York Times, Coloradan, locally. I found nothing. I don't know about you guys, but I saw nothing. So now this is the end of the week. I didn't really see, read, hear about anything having to do with this most precious resource. So, Chef, you want to you wanna kick it off? Well, sure. I mean, I think it's one of those things that um, you're right. You know, I mean, I saw some things, you know, through our Instagram page or whatnot, because we have partners that are focused on water, water foundations, you know, clean water all over the world. So there were some things there that, you know, as water conservation companies really are talking about it because that's what uh, what we do. But also it's one of those things like it's also another thing where, yes, it's World Water Day. There's also like a value water as well. So, you know, it's one of those things that as much as you just read in terms of like we know it's intrinsic to our life and how we can work on this planet you know um it's the value of it is not there people focus on this uh, you know gas prices going up more than they they hear about water prices um in addition to you know i I say to a lot of people like you thought it was bad that we were at a tp at the covid what happens when we don't have water what people are going to do right um so i think that's going back to where my expertise lies is obviously in the kitchen. And so being part of a more sustainable kind of food system, um, not only from, you know, everyone always talks about where their food comes from, things like that. And we've talked about that as well, Jeff, on previous shows. But I also wanted to start focusing on what about like our waste? What is our, you know, what is our percent that's going out there? And when, you know, we covered, you know, recycling and composting and then it got to water. And when it came to water conservation, you know, and especially in a restaurant, it was kind of like, well, how do we do this? Okay. We didn't have bottled water. We had a filtered water program. We were using, you know, bottles reusing them. Um, but then it came to, okay, You can use a low flow in the dish machine or on your hand, you know, washing sinks, things like that. But most of the time, and I I joke like this with a lot of chefs out there is like, you know, they're like, yeah, I got the low flow. But it doesn't make the cooks, the dishwasher, their life better. It actually makes their life worse. So you always wind up having to buy another nozzle because it's always taken off because it doesn't have the pressure and the thing that you want it to have, right? So Isn't isn't that crazy, chef? When we open up a joint... There are all kinds of flow restrictors. All the stuff that's environmentally friendly is installed. And we all know there are workarounds, right? Guys are looking for productivity and everybody disables, takes out, dismantles, whatever they have to, to get the work done. You're right. Correct. Correct. And then, and so, you know, that kind of, you know, goes into the segue of, of course, you know, the running water method when it comes to kitchens, you know, um, I think in general, um, that's where Boss to Frost came in. And I, I met the inventor of Boss to Frost, I guess it was two years ago now. I saw it on Instagram, honestly, when he started having it out there. And I thought, okay, well, this is really going to be a part um, of a plan that we can put together. Because honestly, part of it was, you know, I, I was looking at it being part of the ELP, which is the Environmental Leadership Program here in Colorado. And you have to denote, but also have data to track what your savings are. And that was easy through trash recycling and of course, you know, landfill, um, what you're, what you're putting in there and, and what you're taking out by weighing compost and all those things, which, which the companies that we worked with did. So it was easy to get that data. Now when it came to water, I don't, I can't tell you what the flow rates are and you know, you're, you're worried about running a kitchen. So when boss defrost came, I reached out and I said, I need to check this thing out. So I met with him, but it was a number of ways. So it was talked about, you know, Bossafrost basically is so it's an NSF certified appliance that mimics the USDA's running water method for thawing sealed frozen food. But again, like you said, uses you know ninety nine percent less water. I think I rounded up, Chef. That. I think yes, I think you is. have ninety eight point five, but 98.5. I'm doing I'm doing decimals with my kids, my daughter. Right. So <laughs> I rounded up. 
It's ninety nine. Correct. And that's that's can you can you give us context though? Can you can you help everybody understand? Because to me, this is a big deal that there is a protocol that every legit restaurant follows or should be following per the FDA's guidelines for defrosting food. Can you help everybody yeah. understand what that is? Absolutely. So when you're thawing food, there's a number of ways to do it. You can pull it out and put it into your fridge. Um, if anybody thinks back to the time they try to do that in their own house for Thanksgiving turkey, it probably took five to seven days maybe, and it was still probably frozen in the center. When you're talking about one steak or something like that, you can also you can do it in the microwave, believe it or not, if you're going to cook it right afterwards. And then, of course, you can do it uh, through the running water method. A majority of kitchens, because of the time I just mentioned with the slacking process or putting it into your fridge to thaw, um, you do it because you're going to save yourself time. Chris, so, can, I, can I interject and ask a sure. quick question? Sure. Uh, just as a home cook, I know that I take frozen fish or frozen chicken breasts and I'll put water in a sink, like tap water, and just, you know, let it, it's sealed, but just let it sit in the sink. Why, to thaw out, why can't you do that in a commercial kitchen? You need to have the agitation. So the the health farm wants the agitation. So it's essentially if you took like a temperature gauge, you would see that obviously you're sitting in an ice cube and then the outer around surrounding water is going to um, warm up um, versus what's right around the fish. So they want it to keep um, recirculating around there, which is why they devised that running water method. Oh, now, to, to, to protect from bacteria growth or contamination. Correct. Okay, understandable. Correct. So Frost runs at a thousand liters an hour and is able to keep that agitation going over the food product so that it kind of keeps that equalization of the temperatures of how much water you have in that tub versus what you're thawing out right and so of course at home you can do this i I use it at home all the time but also in the restaurant you're scaling up a lot more you know maybe you're doing i remember for thanksgiving we did over 200 pounds of shrimp with boston frost down our butcher shop you know we're going to have like shrimp cocktail and many things like that so in general it takes about 120 five gallons um, per the running water method to thaw one pound of food. Good can, Lord. Okay. The thought that that is one restaurant for one meal. For, Correct. For one one right. restaurant for one service. If you're using a running water method, you were using a prep sink. Now that was the interesting thing about boss frost is now you can take that water, you can recirculate it over the food to make that, get that equalization like we talked about, but also you can use it in a 600 pan. You, you know, we were lucky at the restaurant I was at to have a number of sinks, but even at that, that means you have more people, more people using them. So therefore you don't always want to dedicate your one valuable real estate to six, seven hours of thawing, right? So this way you can either do it in the sink and do it that way, recirculate the water. You can also do it in a different pan, a 22 quart, a 600 pan, um, things like that of already pans that you already have in your kitchen and take it, you know, portability out of the sink um, and still get that. So you know that for every hour that you run it, you know you're saving a thousand liters versus what you use. So if I know that I put 10 gallons of water in a sink or a basin or whatever that is, and I keep running that water over there for say two hours, I know I saved, you know, take out your from 2000 gallons, I can say I saved, you know, 1,990 gallons or liters of water. So it's an easy data point to track your water savings, to track not only ROI, but also to communicate out to your guests and your staff of how much you're conserving so that you have a better idea of how much water you're saving. Because as you said before, as I said before, for every pound, 125 gallons is a ton of water. And there's a couple other things there. Being a closed system, you know, like you said, you can either you, th- you put it on, you turn on your cold water because you don't want the water to go over 70 degrees because that's also per um, the health department. It can't go over 70 degrees, the, the temp of the water and the food itself. As anybody who lives in Colorado or any any area, as we just had, you know, it was negative 15 not that long ago. So if you really think that that cold water coming out is warmer than, say, 30 degrees, especially on a cold day because of pipes and things like that, um, it's going to take even longer to thaw that food. So what we what we focus on is saying, hey, set up your Boston Frost, put it in your sink, your basin, whatever it is. You temp your water at a beginning temperature of 70 degrees, and then you put your food product in. And then, therefore, that recirculation of 1,000 liters an hour of 70 degrees water, yes, it cools down 
a little bit during that process. Um, and depending on the density of the meat, um, of depending on how long it'll take, it'll be done. You know, I think it's about 15% faster based on the scientific um, research that we've done through um, a lab called Fishnik in California because we had it tested on the three points that we talk about Boston Frost, which is saving water, time, and money when it comes to kitchens. And so, you know, obviously all three of those, like we talked about with the low flow, you know, this is actually going to make the cook's life a lot better. And my best example of that is, you know, we had a butcher shop um, in the basement of the restaurant. They didn't have, they had a hand sink. That was it. So if they wanted to use any sink, they needed to go upstairs or across down into the banquet department. All right. Just so everybody knows, Department of, department of Health prohibits any kind of food in a hand sink. That's a, that's a health Correct. Virus. Yes. Thank you. Correct. Yeah. Right. That is there for hands only. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Correct. Um, and so because of that, they could thaw shrimp right on their prep table in a 600 pan with Boston frost right there without having to run to a sink or, you know, they could use a Lexan or things like that. So you're saving your time not having to run upstairs, check on it, you know, cause again, if you're thawing in the sink, you're generally doing it because you need it like yesterday, you know, you're, you're watching it that whole time, but also the closed uh, system of having the water at the, at the right temp that you need it to. So it does work as efficiently as possible. And then of course you're saving the water through um, the utility um, and you're saving um, that money there. And so, you know, Boston Frost is only, you know, $399 and the ROI on that based on using it for um, five hours a day, seven days a week is 45 days. I want to back up too, Chef, because you mentioned sure. a couple of technical terms, sure. which if anybody's a restaurant geek, then they understand a 600 pan and a Lexan, but we're kind of talking in code. So 600 pan, hotel pan, oh, Chef, or you gallons. would just, yeah, five gallon. Okay. Yeah. And then Lexan becomes, is like us using Band-Aid uh, or Kleenex almost a generic Correct. generic uh, use of that uh, of that brand name to describe a large also about five gallons or so uh, you're thinking um, for the smaller ones you can get up to uh, some of them are probably 30 gallons the real deep lexins yeah those are yeah it is you're right it is a brand name for a plastic basin a large plastic basin you can use for storage of wet or dry ingredients i gotta say in my career guys that one of the most painful things for me was always walking through the kitchen seeing that defrosting action happening and just that water going down because for people who don't know uh, those sinks are not hard plumbed they have an air gap so there's a piece of copper that comes down from the bottom of the sink from the bottom of the drain into a floor drain so there's an open there's an open space there and you hear and see water running down that drain constantly constantly yes. we came out of chris and we, you and i came out of two and came into a third drought, drought market yes and this is something else chef i want to touch on with you because this is amazing what you're talking about for the back of house and so desperately needed but the front of the house i challenge people to go into a restaurant now especially in colorado major drought market across the entire state and not have water dropped on their table as soon as they sit down. So Jeff, Jeff worked with the tap water project with restaurants trying to bring awareness to not putting glasses of water on the table unless the guests asks for a glass of that was water. A, that was the beginning in the early days of world water. That was 95. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was that was early on. Because there's and, so and much good, waste. And good luck with that. Tossed. Good luck with that. You know, when we moved here, Chef, and I talked to the team about let's do water by regret. Oh, you know how thirsty everyone <laughs> is, Jeff, and it's so yeah. inconvenient and every and I go, but guys, <laughs> there's no freaking water. So this is this is this is big what you're talking about though, Chef, on the back end. This is a device that can make a significant difference in commercial kitchens and at home, as you said. Correct. And, and I mean, it kind of goes into, you know, what you said before. I mean, this is a pivot for the industry because, again, you're taught this in culinary school. This is how you thought food. Right. And this is how you safely thought, thought food. So you're going in being taught this. It's not like it's some secondhand information. This is what they tell you to do. So important. Uh, Jeff. What, so, so let me what do you teach? How do you handle it with your students? What do you do? Real world now. Uh, we have two in at the school and we're basically teaching these next generation of food service professionals the sanitation and the, the sustainability of thawing in this manner for that you, reason. you know what i'm feeling on graduation day instead of a diploma you hand them a boss to frost yeah. you go, go out into the world and do good you know what i yeah. think is interesting as a consumer 
or a diner of a restaurant, unless my husband was in the restaurant industry. Which he happens to be. Yes. But in him telling me his stories about water waste and then us learning about Bostafrost through you and what a wonderful solution it is, consumers don't know that that waste is going on behind the scenes. I mean, we have right. no we have no idea, right? right? You think, oh, okay, there's ecological building now. A building can get certified as green, but can a restaurant be certified certified as water wise? As you said, chef at the top, you know, look how people freaked out over not having toilet paper. They right. thought it was the end of the world, and if they realize, and I guess there were people who certainly experienced this just recently as re, uh, uh, in Austin with the freeze air and suddenly, holy crap, we don't have, water. We, don't have we don't, we, we have, we're melting snow to, right. to drink and flush our toilets. And, I mean, I, I also have, you know, that perspective. I mean, I remember I lived and worked in Vegas for 12 years, you know, and you can see the line on Lake Mead, which is of course part of the Colorado river. It's going down and down and down, right? But you know, Chef, so there's Vegas, which never should have existed, right? I mean, <laughs> and, and you've got a gazillion hotel rooms. How many keys are there? I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. How many toilets, yeah. sinks, showers yes. are running? How many, as we talked about, world-class restaurants that let's let's kill the show. Let's take 7,000 Boston Frost and distribute them through the Red Cross <laughs> right now, Chef. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And, that, and that's the thing is, like you said, I think it's a matter of just and, and kind of what Kristen said, too. You know, it's it's a little bit of a skeleton in the closet, you know, for restaurants and things like that, because, you know, again, at Urban Farmer, we were doing a whole animal butchery, things like that. And when you're talking about thawing food, the automatic thought is that you're not using the most high quality food. And that's not necessarily the case right you know i mean you're talking about if anybody has shrimp on their menu unless they are in santa barbara on the east coast and they're a high-end restaurant they are using frozen shrimp hands down from not only frozen shrimp frozen shrimp probably from thailand which is not sustainable killing the mangrove swamps right correct and i think that you know again you know when it came to urban farmer or a whole animal butchery we'd break down a whole animal and then freeze portions of it because we could only use it you know for making you know like you said sausage and and pates and stuff like that and you're talking about some of the best quality product that we were freezing as a method of preservation not because the food quality was poor and so right. i think there's a little bit of that conversation that needs to go on there too um to make sure like you know we would we would freeze stocks and sauces because you're making big batches and you don't have room for them you have room for them in the freezer and you're pulling them as you need them and there's no degradation of the actual food product at that point in time you know the way that technology and the way of how things are are frozen has gotten so much better over the years so i think that that's also another misnomer is that hey i don't want people to know that we're thawing food because then they're going to think that we're using poor quality food and that's not necessarily the case that's an interesting point chef that this is a dirty little secret or perceived as such and when in fact it is it is not i don't know that i would necessarily think about that negative connotation of oh whoa, whoa, wait if we acknowledge this or talk this up it's not then catch of the day with, it's right. not fresh right yeah right, right yeah i mean i think it's one of those things that yeah exactly Kristen. It's a, it's a little bit of that verbiage and and i think people are going a little bit deeper because kind of what to your again your tap water thing when you're talking about back in the day when you weren't putting straws and everything you started to say hey we're going to do straw upon request there was a little bit of that like well, wait a minute that's how this is made right so there's a little bit of a culture shift in all this stuff that we're talking about hopefully towards a more sustainable future and that goes with you know, um, you know, restaurant tours and things like that right now, they just went through a COVID period. So when you're talking about spending money on more equipment versus the price of water, sometimes it's a tough look at it. But when you actually break it all the way down, because what we're talking about here, recycling, composting, saving water, it's not easier. And that's the thing is you have to be committed to it and and really doing it, but also be a thought leader for your restaurant, for your operations and say, this is what we need to be doing and this is why we're doing it. So I think when I've had those communications with my teams, you know, and even uh, my students now, like they get it because it's coming from someone who's saying this is what we need to be doing and why. And not just coming from left field, like, hey, use this, right? Right. And so, well, you have to you connect know, those dots, right? Yeah. People need to understand how it's all connected. And I think so many people just take water as an unlimited granted, resource. They, 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 we take it for granted. Like in Flint, correct. Michigan, when they had their water problem, like people were like, I just turned on my tap and I trusted that the water was safe and yeah. that it was fine. 
and then they quickly found out it wasn't and then they didn't have any water coming out their taps and then you realize wow I can't brush my teeth I can't flush my toilet I can't take a shower I I don't have any water and I I just think that again valuing water in general and of course you know in restaurants and things like that Kristen like you said people may not know this is going on so I think that's part of our Educating you know, mission as right? well as educating that and saying, "Hey, this is going on now." Now, not everywhere, you know, there are right. some operations that we've run up um, that we've talked to, and they're like, "You know what? We don't, we don't have frozen food. We just thought before it even gets to, you know." And this is more multi-unit type of uh, restaurants that are more your name brand restaurants that people are used to, but it's not everybody, you know. And so, I think it's, I think it's one of those things that once you can implement it in one of your operations, it's an easy thing to scale up. Um, you know, it takes five, 10 minutes to train, but it is a culture pivoting shift to what's been currently happening. And I think, you know, again, going back to the TP thing, it just has to happen. And it was something that um, I know drove myself and um, Diana is also a partner with me to just continue to talk about it and say, how can we, you know, get people invested not only here in Denver. Now, the thing I can say is that we already have, um, we're in 25 states um, over the United States right now, which is great. So it's starting to spread because the realistically, we need more and more people to use pasta frost in that way to save that water. Because again, one restaurant doing it, great, great job, thumbs up. But it's really the scalability that is going to save the millions of gallons of water. I do know from my education um, with Heal the Bay and my experience and the things that I learned in Los Angeles and as well as working as a volunteer for the Lower Colorado River Authority in Austin through their nonprofit educational program and outreach, that uh, we lived in Marina Del Rey for many years. And we used to, we were close to the bike path. And so we could just get on it, run down it, go straight down the jetty from the Biona wetlands. Mm. And people would be fishing right there all the time in the outlet from Biona into the Santa Monica Bay. And then we'd go ride our bikes across the beach. Let's let's pause there for a second for everyone to understand that this is like fishing at the butthole of Los Angeles. (laughs) That's that's what they're doing. This is where every single storm drain for the whole city of Los Angeles in this watershed would drain into the Santa Monica Bay. And because of the currents would go straight down through uh, Manhattan Beach and all the way down the southern part of the coast of Santa Monica Bay. And so the water quality there when they would do testing was as if you were swimming in raw sewage. So In a sewer. Between the only thing that they would do during a big storm season, if there was a lot of rain, was to put nets up across the creek to catch the garbage. Large items. Trash, bicycles, grocery carts. I mean, the amount of garbage would be probably 10 feet high with the wind blowing against it and the water rushing. And then teams would just come and pull the net to the side, remove all the debris, and then put it back up. It was just to keep, catch large items from flowing into the ocean, into the bay. And then at probably five miles from there was the Hyperion uh, water treatment pro, uh, plant for the whole city of Los Angeles and El Segundo, just south of the Chevron oil refinery. And they had a large pipe that went out five miles from the sewage treatment this plant. This is a favorite surf break known affectionately as the shit pipe. The shit pipe. <laughs> and Hyperion would treat the water um, as much as they could treat the water um, to the, whatever standards that the Environmental Protection Agency had. And then they would release that water into the bay. We're swimming in that water and we were swimming in and having fun and people are fishing and eating fish out of the Biona Creek, which frightened me beyond belief. So I became a member of Heal the Bay. And then I actually went through their education program to become a naturalist for Heal the Bay. And I worked in the aquarium on the Santa Monica Pier. And I actually taught inner city school kids that had never been to the beach 
about the marine environment and watershed and water conservation and what we can do to save this precious resource, which is water, and to protect the oceans that we love. So that being said, a portion of my education was getting to take a tour of the Hyperion Water Treatment Program uh, facility in Los Angeles. And I learned more about water treatment in Los Angeles than I ever wanted to know. In Los Angeles, they take the water from Hyperion and there is another filtering water facility and they tertiarily treat the water, which means that it doesn't go through, it goes through the first filtration, it goes to the second filtration, and the second filtration is what they release into the back into the bay, out the ship pipe, right? Then mm-hmm. they take a portion of that water and they take it to this other filtration plant and they filter the water so that the water then is drinkable, And this isn't widely publicized and people don't know about this, but Mm -hmm. the psychology behind it is you are drinking water that came through a toilet or a storm or through a toilet or a drain through the pipes into the Hyperion sewage treatment plant. And then now it's coming out the tap and you're drinking it. People not so excited to drink that kind of water. Several of the municipalities have tapped, have wells into the aquifer that lies under Los Angeles. And because they're pumping water out of that, the water table wall between that fresh water and the salt water in the ocean needs to have a certain balance. So the city of Los Angeles is taking that tertiarily treated water and pumping it back into the aquifer. So then municipalities that have wells and are pulling water out of that aquifer are essentially putting tap water that is, it meets all the health standards, um, but it's coming out of the ground instead of out of your tap from the sewage treatment plant. So people are drinking water that's tertiarily treated, not knowing that widely known that it's sewer water that's been treated to meet the standards. So they're recharging freshwater aquifers with treated sewage water, and that is being mixed into the water that is then pumped out as drinking water. Which it meets all the standards for water, but the only caveat to this, and I asked the man that took us on our tour and was the director there, what about pharmaceuticals? What about all the pharmaceuticals? Because mm-hmm. we eat, we pee, we poop. It's And COVID is in our poop, right? It all yeah. goes to the sewer treatment plant. It gets tertiarily treated. They can't take the can't, pharma Can't out. take out the pharma. So the water gets put back into the aquifer. People turn on their tap in Glendale, thinking they're getting water from the aquifer, which they are, but right. it's being recharged. And there's, you know certain, I don't know what mil microns of pharmaceuticals in the water they're drinking. So that's kind of frightening. Mind blown, Chef? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, unfortunately, because I I understand the the layout of how the water, you know, works in terms of, you know, who's getting snow and water and and whatnot. But it does, it's just, yeah, I mean, good Lord. I think if people understood, it's right up there with Soylent Green is made out of people in a sense. If you, (laughs) if you say we're drinking, we're drinking sewage water or wastewater. Uh, And when we got to Austin, I had a meeting there with the water authority and they were talking about, the drought, the impending drought market and changing the culture and this whole thing. They and were I, talking about the growth in Bishop and how Austin was going through exponential growth in Bishop. Well, I'm um, not Bishop, Bastrop. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Austin mm-hmm. was, you know, just going through the same kind of thing, chef. Right. And it's a major, it's a major drought market. Yeah. And I asked, are you guys thinking about tertiary treated water recharging the aquifers? And her jaw just dropped. <laughs> and she's like, she goes, how do you know about that? Yeah. <laughs> We're not having those conversations right now. And I said, but we'll need to. It was very uncomfortable and it's unavoidable. Either you're going to have a desalination plant 
mm-hmm. or Which you're going to have so you're going to have something like this. One of the things happening, Chef, in the front of the house, or and maybe even in the back of the house a little bit, is and I'm not sure what your experience has been with this, but RO or reverse osmosis filtration mm-hmm. was a big thing. There were a couple of chains that were were promoting that, doing the right thing, and saying, "Hey, we use RO water." And you may or may not be aware, but for every gallon of RO filtered water, two have been wasted. So mm, a lot of people okay. go, oh, this is RO water. It's awesome. It's, it's, right. you're, you're, you're forcing in reverse osmosis, you're forcing water through a, a micron, you know, micron penetrated membrane mm-hmm. and you need to flush this membrane. And so the water that you, it's basically, it, it might be on a good day, two to one. That's a lot of water that's that's a lot of water that's wasted. And there are now other uh, filtration methods. But this all this all combines with what you are trying to do this. It's a business pursuit, but it's a noble pursuit. I want to know is is this restaurant being aware with their water? You know, are, are they using plastic straws? Are they using paper straws? That's all very important. And I think educating the public that these are all pieces and making a decision about where you're going to spend your dollars. I'm not encouraged, guys. After we just saw what happened with mask <laughs> usage, I'm not encouraged. Well, I think I think the main thing, you know, kind of going back to what you were talking about, Chris, and how you got started, you know, for me, it was like, um, you know, I was a, um, a chef in, in Vegas, and this was when I was working with um, Rick Moonen. And he was one of the first ones to you know, he was talking about sustainable seafood. It was like the Bristol Bay salmon. Um, you know, he was working with the Monterey Bay uh, Aquarium as well through Seafood Watch and really putting on his menus for the first time where his fish was, um, you know, where he was getting it and really pushing back, um, you know, of his vendors of asking because at the time it wasn't standard to start labeling where everything came from. And seafood still is a, is a tough market to find exactly where everything's coming from. Cause once you take the skin off and the head off, you, you know, it can be labeled all sorts of things, but it was the first chef mentor to really, to really say, Hey, you need to start asking these questions as the chef of a restaurant and push back on what are supposedly the quote unquote standards. Right. And so I think that's what started me, down the line of, of really trying to do more sustainable actions within the restaurant. And then now to this, because a lot of people ask me, what, gosh, it seems so simple. Why didn't anybody think of this? And I think because it's that health department piece, you know, we're all trained to just be like, stand up straighter when the health department comes in. Don't ask any questions. Just hopefully they don't see anything. Um, Cause you know, everyone knows they want it to basically be like, an, you know, a, a a surgical room in the middle of lunch uh, when you're doing 500 covers with eight cooks on the line, you've already done 200 and they want it to look like nothing ever happened. So it's like, I think it's that challenge of, of chefs, restaurateurs to, to say, Hey, we need to start doing this collectively because collectively we can scale up and really save a lot of water. And yes, just like anything else, like not serving water to a table upon request, not putting a straw in a glass unless it's upon request. And if it is, it can be a, a compostable one. So I think it's just a change of that paradigm. And this is just yet one other change. And, and even right now with, with COVID, I mean, what, what was the first things that came out when they started having the news, the news um, um, saying like, Hey, with everyone inside, look at all this nature that's happening. The, the, the um, Venice, uh, you know, the water in Venice is like clear. Yeah, the canals, the sediment is not being pushed around, right? So you can see fish and dolphins are swimming. That's about to to change, right? right, But but I think in general, if that wasn't a clear picture for people to see what our impact as humans are on this earth, I don't know if there ever will be another one. But 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 we're knuckleheads, Chef. Look at us. (laughs) I don't disagree with you. We we, we go from crisis to – I mean, just watch where – we we talked. We got our shots, and 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 people are going to start to travel now. You know, the smog dropped in in China for a little while, right? In Beijing, you could actually see the person that you married instead of right. you know guessing <laughs> and and reaching out for them because the the smog is so thick. And we you know we we were, we uh, there were less uh, jet emissions. That's all going to change. We're going to yeah woohoo. We're, we're going to go yes. out and we're going to we're going to vacation. We're going to be in restaurants again. The water's going to go down. We go back. We're creatures of habit. And and not necessarily sustainable habits. Yes, but it's it's butterfly wings. And when I was at Heal the Bay, the the problem is is overwhelming. So how do you educate those 
people? How do you begin to change the minds and the behaviors and to get people to wake up and realize that their actions have consequences? You charge more money for water right away. Well, right away. I'm serious. And you charge and you charge, you know, chef, what we, what we did, what we tried in LA and okay, everybody's going LA. Well, they're idiots, but you know, LA will do anything. I, I put in, in rather than an RO system at Chaya downtown, we put in a triple filtration system. Uh, it was another, I remember we had 150 staff getting schooled by one of our vendors and I thought people were going to pass out when they, when they talked about turbidity and what's accepted and what's actually in your drinking water, the cysts and, you know, and the crap on the yeah. mic and people just, I saw people getting queasy. Uh, but, but we wound up, we wound up charging $5 for a carafe of house filtered ambient room temp water or chilled water. Mm-hmm. And people told me I was nuts. And again, it's Los Angeles, and we sold a ton of it. I actually wanted to really draw a hard line and say, we're not serving tap water. And there was a near mutiny, right? I said, the only way you're going to get water is if you buy it. It's right, a precious right. commodity. Now, that may be too extreme. I wish, in just retelling the story, that I did stand my ground and say, no, there's no, you, you want water, you buy. Okay. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, again, you're talking about extreme methods one way or the other there, but I think that's where it starts to, you know, to really change. I mean, what was the paradigm for getting into electric vehicles, you know, uh, cell phones, things like that. There's always a beginning. It's that starting point, start asking the questions, start the pushback, start, you know, talking to people. We're in, you know, 25 States and that's, that's, Hospitals, grocery stores, schools, uh, restaurants, uh, multi-unit restaurants. See, that's cool. Uh, you, know. you just mentioned grocery stores. That's something yeah. that, you know, I don't think people think about. They go into Whole Foods and they want to buy prepared something or, you know, if they're going to put fish, sometimes it's it might be wild-caught salmon, but it's been frozen and then ship to them, and then they thaw it out and put it in the case. Right. So. It's not only for the grab-and-go or where the deli counters. It's okay. exactly what you just said, Chrissy, and most people don't think about, oh, that fish was frozen and had to be thawed. Right. You know, and I mean, even, even on another note is, you know, I had a chef down in Florida, and he works with a lot of people that have yachts. And he was like, you know, when I have to thaw food on a yacht, I only have so much water to begin with. And so I need by planning my menus and defining how far we're out to sea, you know, I need to be cognizant of the water I'm using. And so that's kind of like a hyper, you know, a really uh, micro or, you know, micro look at, you know, conserving water because he has to, you know, it's not he, he can't even choose to run the faucet if he wanted to. So there, you know, we're finding that even in that market as well, they're like saying, hey, we need to conserve water for X, Y, Z reasons. So, you know, that was a totally new one to me as well. You know, somebody who's who's got that you know, type of world going on, but also, you know, conserving water for that reason as well. So there's, there's a lot out there. I mean, cruise ships, there's a lot of things out there. The RV market, chef, the RV market, we learned the hard way because we're not big campers and we rented an RV and COVID to get the kids out. And and we went out, we could own the only slot we we could find 30 gallon. What's standard? Is it a 30 gallon water tank? I think I want to say we're up in Eagle County and we found this lake, but there were no hookups. So, Mm. uh, we could fill the tank. Tank, the water tank in the RV, but then, you know, we could use it to like rinse our hands and flush the toilet, but then right. it, it would be done. So it was like every day or every two days we were having to go. Yeah. With, with four people when you, when you realize, and that's, that's a good way. I love the yacht example, chef, because when you realize you have, okay, this is what you got. This is your allotment. This is a finite amount. There's no right. more. Use it. How to take that 10 minute shower if you want. It's all gone. Oh, we didn't even shower. That was just for flushing the toilet and washing dishes. Right, but I mean, if when you when you when we take a shower here, right? Yeah. Plumbers when they're doing calculations, they typically allow for ten minutes. In the military, I think you get what ninety seconds. Well, I don't know that if was it's another thing. We had only so many quarters. We found showers, but they were quarter operated. So, man, you you I think shower you got, fast. You got three minutes, <laughs> and we only had so many quarters. We were out in the middle of nowhere, so it was like take that shower and take it fast. Yeah, imagine and- chef with quarters going the frost is shrimp. It's just another. I need seven hundred quarters. Kaylee and I were like, we're going to cut our hair. This whole long 
hair, but you don't get enough time to shower. Get all that soap off. So part totally, of part totally. of the mission of Boss to Frost Chef is education and ha- and and having the patience to have this conversation. Because, you know, going back to what the Secretary General said is that everybody should have access to fresh water. So that goes into the category of it's a right, it's not a privilege. But I feel like that's kind of tricky, right? Because we we all sit down at a four top in the restaurant and it's a right for me. I, I give me my glass of water. Right. It just so these things. I turn on the I turn on the tap. I water my lawn. I wash my car. It's my right. You know, there's a good food 100 list, which really takes. Um, uh, they look at your. Um, you, it's an application that you fill out. We were part of this when I was at Urban Farmer for two years, and it's anywhere between a one to a five star system. And they look at based on your invoices how much um, you know certified organic food or, you know, grains or dairy and where you're getting it from, how far it's coming in. And so you give yourself that analysis and they go through, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's CU that actually does the analysis and actually checks it out to make sure everything you're saying is correct. So it's not just like you send it in. Um, but I, I hope to get more of a, you know, of a water and, and compost and recycling thing, maybe, you know, similar to that or in conjunction with it because I enjoyed it. Um, and that was what you're saying, Kristen, is that you would get um, that good food 100 list, um, you know, sticker for your door and for your website and things like that as being on there at whatever level. Right. I mean, I think the first year I started, I was two. And then um, I think we got into four the next year because we made some adjustments, but it was a good analysis of looking at, okay, hey, how are they rating this and how can we adjust where we're getting, um, you know, our meats or seafood based on the company, you know, and then there were some things that you couldn't, you know, I was like, I remember I couldn't make the decision to go to fully certified organic eggs because it would have literally doubled my food cost on my breakfast. So, you know, there's, there's some things that you can make within reason i think to become better but i think by looking at your operation and seeing where are we wasting this water because um you know like you said jeff unless it's jacked up to so much um or it's so limited because you're on a yacht or you have to put quarters in it doesn't really really um focus it it doesn't really come into focus and i think that if there was a way to you know get um restaurants and have that be something that they can speak to you know whether it's like an award program like good food and hunters or something like that um it could be a thing where like you said they've said for years and i've always agreed with it you know you you you, you vote with your fork you wherever you're going to put your money at a certain restaurant or a food service operation you're 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 supporting it you know and in some form or fashion and so if they're you know serving plastic and styrofoam and all that stuff you're there you're eating there you're still supporting it. Right. Yeah, I love that. I wish we were, as you're talking, Chef, I'm thinking, oh, you know, it would be interesting if we had a line item on a ticket for however you rang the water. So we did this also, which I, we rang waters, but I rang waters because mm. I wanted to see how much opportunity I had because I told my team, every water that you're dropping on a table, you're losing five bucks in sales, right? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's a, that, that's a glass of wine if or a half glass of wine or it's a it's a soft drink it's an iced tea exactly right so you're so you and that so that's good i'm rambling on but that's the only way i got my knuckle-headed front of house team to pay attention because for the Mm -hmm. server chef right it was what's going to (laughs) impact your yeah what's going to impact i said (laughs) if if you want a ticket builder guys here's how you're literally and figuratively diluting your ticket by dropping water on the table get that drink order first and so we would we would sit down each week and I'd show them here, you know, you sold 3,572 waters. Well, we didn't sell them. I said, that's what you did. You sold them. Yeah. You sold water. So if we had a line item where we rang that water and we got a ticket, our four top, you, Diana, Kristen, and I, and said, Oh, what's, what's this? Oh, that's $14 in water. And then it's zeroed out. What do you mean? 14? And it opened up a conversation. That's what it would have cost. Yeah. But I can only imagine like, a server doesn't even want to talk about the specials. So I can only right. imagine. <laughs> in a, and, a, and again, at the risk of a risk of talking about Boston Frost yet again, we actually have established a rebate in Fort Collins for commercial businesses. Um, essentially, they will reimburse you um, up to 100 percent of the purchase price of Boston Frost when you show them. Um, how much water you're saving. Um, you know, I think it's like, uh, say it's, I think it's $10 for every thousand um, 
gallons of water that you save and you just submit the data report to them. We have a link on our website to do that. Um, and hold on, yeah, hold on. That's actually the one I'm, city that we have that in right now. That I'm low on the, I'm low on the learning awesome. curve. This that's is, totally this is cool. Awesome. Hold on. So I own, I own a rest. I have to be a commercial operator, chef. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. It's, it's a restaurant home. Okay. It's not not for, home. Yeah. Yeah. It, it should, it, there could there could be or should be a home program too. That would be awesome. Okay, so I own a restaurant. Right. I I make the splurge by what is it two ninety nine three hundred bucks what what three ninety nine yep three ninety nine four hundred bucks. Okay, yep. I'm rounding up again three ninety nine. I never liked ninety nine <laughs> menus, chef. Did we ever talk about that? I never like how much Don't is that? Sidetracked. How much is the no, salmon fourteen ninety nine? I never like that. I think we need to do an unwritten rules um, episode of just restaurant stuff and go through all that. Okay, so if it's three ninety nine, I'm an operator. I buy this thing, and then I do the calculation on how much water based on the formula that you provide us uh, for X amount of hours of usage. Right. And then say I've, I've saved this money and you said in 45 days, right. I'm going to get a check back in 45 days or this is fantastic. This is, it's awesome. I love it. And Fort Collins is, is the one that uh, has stepped up to that, you know, and that was uh, from work from my partner, Diana, on really putting that together and saying, hey, we need to, you know, kind of what you're talking about, needs to pay back, right? And so, yeah, that's exactly right. And so we have a water savings calculator that we've built as well that we share with those teams that makes it easy for them to do the data calculation. Uh, They send it in and, yeah, they get a check back for, again, up to 100% of the purchase price. Everybody who wants to find out about Boston Frost can go to bostafrost.com and all the information is there. They can order directly from Boston Frost. And in full transparency, Connexus, our company, Boston Frost, your company, uh, have put together a presentation that is on the Boston Frost website, which is uh, in the news. And there's an interactive video where you can watch Chef, in all your glory, uh, talking about everything that we just discussed now uh, about Boston Frost and its and its benefits, and you can actually purchase through that experience as well. But bostafrost.com has all the information there. Boston Frost is more than just an entrepreneurial endeavor. It's got the DNA of a life-changing and life-sustaining concept and that may sound goofy but it's it's not goofy to protect this most valuable resource that we really all in one way or another still take for granted however we choose to engage with and acknowledge this most precious of resources that every living thing depends upon the more awareness we have well the more awareness we have. And even that little bit of awareness might be enough to help preserve, protect, and appreciate the gift of fresh water. You can find out more about Chef's company, Bostafrost, at bostafrost.com. And as I mentioned, you can check out the cool interactive video experience created by Conexus, the company sponsoring our shows and founded by Kristen and myself, by going to the In the News section at bostafrost.com. You can learn more about Conexus at connexus.com. That's K-E-N-X-U-S dot com. The two important nonprofits Kristen worked with are absolutely worth checking out. In Los Angeles, it's Heal the Bay at healthebay.org. And in Austin, it's the Colorado River Alliance at coloradoriver.org. Lots of good people doing good and important work at both those organizations. Thanks for hanging with Chef Chris, Kristen, and myself for today's special episode. I hope you'll join me again with new episodes dropping every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Mountain Time. Until then, stay safe and remember, you'll find no bed of roses wherever you find fine podcasts. And now on YouTube at No Bit of Roses Podcast. Thanks and see you soon. Bye.